Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. Yesterday we found that Peter had had a miraculous escape from prison. He he couldn't quite believe it, but actually an angel was was leading him out from a maximum maximum security jail, and there he was on the streets. And suddenly he came to his senses. Colin, we are of course in chapter twelve of Acts of the Apostles. And so he goes to the house of Mary, who is the mother of John Mark, or the the Mark who who wrote the uh, second gospel. Um, because that's where many of the saints were gathered together and praying for Peter while he was in prison. And and I, I love this because I, I think there's so much we can learn from this little incident. Peter knocks on the outer door and this servant girl named Rhoda comes to answer and she recognizes Peter's voice. So she goes running back into the meeting and says, Peter is at the door. Now, here are all the saints gathered together, praying with faith, praying for Peter, no doubt praying for him to be released. And the servant girl comes in and says, Peter's at the door. In other words, he's been released. And what do they say? You're out of your mind, they told her. (laughs) But when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. I mean, they couldn't really believe that God had answered their prayers so dramatically. Were they expecting the worst? Uh, um, well, they probably were. I mean, James has just been uh, executed, and uh, they were obviously praying against that happening. Um, but you couldn't really say that they were in expectant faith of his release um, because of their reaction. Um, but Peter keeps on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. So God was always doing the unexpected. And you know, I think, Julia, that's what should be happening in our lives, that we should always be seeing God doing the unexpected because the supernatural often is totally unexpected. God moves in ways greater than anything we dare to ask or imagine. Even when things seem so impossible like they did here. Yes, absolutely. Um, these, These early Christians were living in the miraculous, and God wants us to be living in the supernatural, miraculous power of God today. So um, Peter tells them all to be quiet (laughs) and describes how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And uh, so then off he went uh, to another place in in hiding. And the poor old guards got executed by Herod because he couldn't believe um, what had happened. He thought that perhaps they'd released him or bribed or something. Oh, yes, a major incident. Um, so now we, we are seeing that um, uh, Peter has really been the, the central figure in these early chapters of, of, um, of Acts, apart from the, um, the incident, the account of the way in which Paul was converted on his way to Damascus. But now Paul enters the scene and really for the rest of uh, the Acts of the Apostles, he takes center stage. It's almost as if um, the early the early days, um, Peter has been the key figure, 
while they have been bringing the gospel to the Jews and just beginning to reach out to the Gentiles. But now, Paul, or Saul as he was, uh, he appears on the scene because he is the one whom God has called and anointed to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And uh, so it says, of, chapter 13 is quite significant, so we'll just look at um, some of these uh, scriptures. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, and some of them are named. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now, the first thing we need to learn is that, of course, these early Christians didn't do anything without prayer and without waiting for the leading of the Holy Spirit in prayer. That is a big lesson that we need to learn in the church today because if we lay plans of our own and ask God to bless them, those plans will never be effective and fruitful in the same way as listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit, doing, putting into practice the revelation that he brings. Because the Holy Spirit, you see, unfolds for us the plan and the purposes of God. And when we're moving in the plans and purposes of God, then we always see God at work. Interesting that there are prophets and teachers. So how would that have worked in practice? Well, of course, because they were so dependent upon the Spirit, and we must remember that the New Testament scriptures had not been written in the form that we had now. Therefore, they were very dependent uh, upon hearing God prophetically. Of course, the apostles were there, so the apostles would check out all these prophetic words with the teaching of Jesus, which was deposited in their hearts. So there were the prophets, these people that were really sensitive to the voice of God because of the close relationship that they had with the Lord. And I think you must bear that in mind that these prophetic characters had a very close relationship with God. They weren't just sort of people that had a word of prophecy or something like that. These were genuine prophets. And the teachers, those who were teaching the word of God, they were teaching the gospel, they were teaching the scriptures, uh, they were teaching what the Lord himself had taught the apostles. You remember it says in chapter 2 that uh, when the first few thousand were converted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So these were the teachers who were teaching what amounts for us today, the scriptures. So the prophets were listening, sensitive to the voice of God, and the teachers were teaching the word of God. But of course, there would have been agreement between these two things. There would never have been disagreement because they knew that the Spirit of God never contradicted the Word of God. So Saul and Barnabas went off with the blessing and the support of the, of the believers that were with them. Very important, you see, because an apostle is someone who is sent by God for a particular purpose, with a particular, really with a particular revelation from God. So um, just as Jesus kept saying that he was sent, the Father sent me. And in um, the epistle to Hebrews, he is called our apostle. Jesus is first and foremost the greatest apostle because he was sent with a commission. He was sent from the Father with a particular purpose to fulfill. And of course, he fulfilled that. So uh, now the church 
is sending Barnabas and Saul. Now, it's interesting because the center of mission activity has moved from Jerusalem to Antioch. Jerusalem is still where, if you like, the main council of the apostles and the elders met. But the center uh, for mission activity had moved to Antioch, which was much better place to be able to reach the whole of Asia Minor. Um, uh, and and uh, so it's from there that Paul went out, and it's to there that he would return. And then every now and again, he would make the journey to Jerusalem, uh, as, as we shall see. So um, they, they go where they believe the Lord is uh, leading them. And, of course, Paul's um, mission journeys are, are famous and he has all kinds of encounters, sometimes with people uh, who are into the demonic, sometimes with um, really significant people that were in positions of great responsibility. But wherever the Lord led him, Paul would preach the gospel without any compromise. And um, uh, we have what... Um, what amounts to a, a kind of a, a summary of the kind of way that Paul was preaching and presenting the gospel. I'm just going to read a section from chapter 13 to verse 16 because I think this will give the flavor of how Paul would go first to the Jewish community in whatever town or city he came and then to the Gentiles. He would always give um, the opportunity for people under the old covenant to hear the gospel. And then often, of course, ultimately they would reject. So then he would go to the, uh, the Gentiles. So he addresses both. Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their contact for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave them their land to, to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. So he's always appealing to the roots. He's going back, you see, into the Old Testament. And he continues to talk about what God did through the prophets. Uh, and um, then, of course, he comes down to the fact that from uh, David's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. So he puts Jesus in his historic context. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, uh, Who do you think I am? I am not that one. No, but he is coming after me, whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Now, all that's familiar from us from the gospel, for us from the gospel records. And then he says, Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. And we're really going to focus tomorrow on exactly what that message of salvation is. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 